Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffy the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. I didn't know if I'd even be able to get through the intro without screwing it up because we took a little bit of a sapotical yeah, here we about did, a couple weeks. We did take a potical, didn't we? Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. We had combination of work and illness and oh. not that illness. There's other illnesses out there. Are that there? The one that got, that's the one that got me, whatever it was. It doesn't have a name. I got it too. Yeah. I mean, you probably got it from me, I think, because I was sick before you were. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the who got who sick contest. I'm yeah. out. I'm out, Jerry. Yeah. I'm out. I don't care, but yeah. my point is I had it too, and I felt I felt crappy for like a couple days. Ooh, mine was longer than a couple days. I mean, I felt bad, but like there was two days where I probably I think I had a fever for a couple days. Yeah, I definitely had a fever. Okay, my fever hit uh, right as the um, uh, 49ers Packers game was kicking off. Which, by the way, this is obviously a college football podcast, but. Um, we were recording this on Sunday, the 30th, the day of the conference championships. The weekend before, those oh. divisional playoff games, every single one. Like, dude, I'm getting goosebumps. It was, I think, the greatest weekend of NFL playoff football I have ever watched. I, well, okay. I, I'm I'm going to take a step further, and I've talked to people about this, and and nobody seems to disagree. It's the best weekend of football. Probably Period. like football That's games. That's a bold statement. Well, if it's only four games and every single one of them was a barn burner that went down to the last play, that's the best weekend of football ever. And I know it it that burns a, a soul or burns a hole in my college football soul to agree with you, but we also try to be truthful, honest people yeah. as much as we can. And I, I really and the, don't know if I can disagree with that. And the importance level of the game. Because too. of the playoff yeah. games. Um, I mean, I know the Packer game hurt you uh, as a Packer oh, fan. God. I mean, it was it was an ugly game, but because of the cold, snowy conditions, I just, I, I as much as I, you know, could remember watching through it, it, it was fantastic. Um, uh, Joey Burrow, you know, former Ohio yeah. State quarterback. I mean, he's getting into quarterback godlike status uh, and then going and beating, you know, the number one seed. Um, but man, that Bill's, Chiefs game was just incredible. It was so much fun. And, and, and I, I I should go back and look. I think I put something out on Twitter. Maybe that was before. Anyways, I saw Josh Allen play in Kinnick. You know, when he's yeah, playing that's for right. Wyoming. Yeah. Um, they didn't win that day, but I, I don't want. I'm not. I'm not trying to sound like a quarterback guru here because I'm certainly not. But I saw the talent, man. I and it wasn't just his howitzer, which was easy to see. Yeah. His ability to move around in mm. the pocket was incredible. Dude, I love that guy, and I feel horrible for him. That that Herculean effort yeah. he put in, but he just could not get by oh, Pat oh, Mahomes. Not, not that he couldn't get by. He didn't even get a chance yeah. to get by. That's yeah. BS. they got to change that. I mean, it just seems like people go nuts on the college football uh, um, overtime rules. You have to give both teams a shot. Well, and, and I was just going to say... The college football has got its 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 uh, zits. Don't get me wrong, but man, to not give Josh Allen a chance to just come back in and try to win that game when it's it's so much based on on literally the flip of a quarter. That's crazy yeah. to me. And I will say back to Josh Allen of all these great young quarterbacks that are entering the NFL right now, which is fantastic to see. You got this this new guard coming in, right? Because you got Brady maybe leaving, which we should talk yeah, about. Right, we we'll got uh, maybe Rodgers heading out. Good segue. Uh, of all the young ones, I love Burrow, but I think my favorite is Allen. Dude, it, he's been 
and if you're not anti Buffalo Bills, we're kind of all Buffalo Bills fans a little bit. Is that fair? Like it, it, it's, can I just say it's one of those teams that doesn't seem to have a lot of haters. That's very fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those uniforms with love the, them. My God, with the with the Buffalo Bill, yeah. the Buffalo on the oh, those are and fantastic. I, I love that they changed to white helmets. I don't remember how long it's been now, but you know they used to have red back in the yep. day. I like the white ones a lot. The better. white are slick, yeah. slick. Yeah. So I guess that's about as good a segue as we can get. I think into, so. So as again, we record here on Sunday. I don't think it's officially official yet, but. A lot of steam saying that Tom Brady, and yeah. after his 22 years in the NFL, might be retiring. Yeah, and the last thing I saw, so Schefter reported it, and he's standing by it. Okay. So you have to think there's something here, right? He's Brady's at least talked about it. So, so, so Tom Brady has not, you know, it hasn't no. something officially from him. His his old man got on the radio or put something out that said it's not true. The Bucks are saying that nothing's official. But ESPN and Adam Schefter, and I even clicked through to make sure it wasn't the fake Adam Schefter oh, because okay. you know, I didn't even think to that, do that stuff can get you. But no, no, there's been tons of people. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, we could you know probably darn near do a entire podcast on Tom Brady. My my uh, uh, career, I don't know how to say it. My odyssey with Tom Brady is that I very much disliked him pretty quickly. You know, um, I don't know like at, like at first. You're like, wow, what a great story, the six-round draft pick yeah, that goes sure. in. And then about five, six, seven years into his career, you're like, that son of a bitch, you know? And then at some point, when somebody is that good for that long, regardless, then the respect factor yeah. that you have, it, it, is that kind of similar to what you've had with him? I don't think there was ever a time I didn't like him. Okay. I remember when they beat the... Rams, because the Rams was the greatest show on turf. I remember thinking, ah, this just doesn't feel right. A six-round draft pick and the Patriots are beating Correct. these great Rams. It, I didn't like it. Like, it felt like you were getting cheated. Yeah, I felt like I was getting cheated, but that's probably the lowest point of me and Tom Brady. After that, I just had respect for the guy. And you look back and you're like, well, that was just Belichick being Belichick, taking that offense down yeah. and Brady doing what he had. Anyways, long story short, um... I when I saw it yesterday, I was out with uh, the fam. We were sledding with some friends, and my buddy, she's like, "Hey, he's like Tom Brady. Looks like he's retired." And I'll be honest with you, the feeling I got hit with was sadness. Sure, of course. W it, okay, you too. Yeah. I, again, I don't. I'm not a Patriots or Buccaneers fan, so I I don't have or a Michigan fan. You know, I don't have that team connection to him. I love watching the dude play. And then on a personal note, if he. As long as Tom Brady plays quarterback, there's a quarterback in the NFL that's older than than who than what I am. So sure. I like that. I take comfort yeah. in that. Uh, he's still, so when he finally goes, it's uh, that's the end of an era. He's still younger than me. So anyways, um, we'll see what happens. So Tom Brady never beat Illinois. Owen one against <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> did he way beat get, every NFL team? I don't. I don't know. I think he yeah, might have. Yeah, I think sure he might have. I'm sure he probably did. But here's the thing that that I'm I'm sad about is I never got to see him play live. I missed him by one year at Illinois because uh, Illinois went to the big house, beat Michigan in '99 against Brady. Then he left, went to the NFL. I saw the next year's game, Michigan at Illinois, but it, it was Bra a Bradyless. Okay. Wolverines team. Okay. And I never, of all the times I went to Lambeau Field, and I, the first half of his career, I would go to three Packers games a year, and I never saw the that Patriots. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. 
So that's yeah. a shame. What about you? Did you ever see him? No, no, I have not. I just have not. I have not attended a, a bunch of NFL games. I mean, you know, a decent amount here sure. in town for the Vikings. But uh, anyways, um, so we'll keep that. We'll keep, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. See what happens. Uh, switching back into the college football game. This will be a, uh, well, first of all, we can get into it. This will be a, a team uh, grade podcast. Uh, we went east, west, east. Last pod, so we're going to go west, east, west. We're going to go Wisconsin, Penn State, and Illinois. Speaking of Wisconsin, this is winds up being a Wisconsin-heavy podcast with our housekeeping items here. Uh, first thing, this one's kind of a little bit older, but Wisconsin got rid of, I don't know how else to say, but parted ways probably it was the best way to say it with Joe Rudolph a couple weeks ago. Uh, they have officially hired uh, Bill Bostad. Is it Bill? I think it's Bob Bostad. Bob Bostad, excuse me, who was just their linebackers coach, which is interesting because of all the positions on the Wisconsin team that are uh, statistically and consistently dominant. Mm -hmm. I think we could say the Wisconsin linebackers are, are that. Sure. But he switches back over to the offensive side. And I say switch, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and I say switch over to the uh, offensive side because He's going to coach the OL, and he did coach the Wisconsin offensive line for years and years under Brett Bielma, the Illinois coach, obviously. So, interesting situation. They, they lose in one spot, but probably gain in another with the Wisconsin offensive line. They're going to be just fine. Probably. Their offensive line will probably be in pretty good shape. Uh, uh, staying on Wisconsin, they have officially – They it was weird. They, like – did you read the post – the, that they had for the Wisconsin offensive coordinator position. No, I didn't read the. I saw that. I saw that it was kind <laughs> yeah. of floating around, but I never right. actually read it. I mean, I'm not going to give obviously the whole thing, but it was like it read just like you know a resume for a sales position. It was like one to three years experience needs to spend time with head coach recruiting and developing. Yeah, young, you know, I think like, that's pretty I mean, typical though. I think, but yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, isn't I it? mean, it's hilarious because they obviously already know what they got. But anyways, they wound up hiring uh, Bobby Ingram. Uh, Penn State fans might recognize him. A week ago, I had no idea it was even in coaching. Now he's the now he's coordinating the Wisconsin offense. Yeah, and apparently spent his whole coaching career with the Ravens. He was coaching, I think, maybe wide receivers, tight ends recently. So interesting hire. Yeah, I the when you hear about that hire, the first thing I thought of is the coaching circles. You know, these coaches know each other. Um, they talk amongst themselves. They know the coaches that are that are, you know, basically just keeping the headset on top of their head, and they know the ones that are creative. I wonder if there's some connection or thought process with Paul Christ, with Bobby Ingram, knowing that it, he's an up and coming talent. I don't know. It's well, just something that's the first thing I think of. There's that, and there's also the fact that Chris is an offensive coach, so it's like you don't need someone who's just like ready to go and take over the whole offense, right? That's you can a good kinda, point. You can kind of nurture them, and maybe you know uh, Paul Christ believes with uh, him and Bostad, they've got the run game coordination sure. down. They just they need to spruce up. The throw game, so that's what Bobby Ingram would be. Hey, I heard a rumor about yeah. Bobby Ingram. Yeah. I heard that he's friends with quarterback Caleb Williams' dad. Go. That's just what I heard. I don't know if that has anything to do with this at all. Um, so I think there's a lot of times in the SEC that a coach gets hired from like a high school or whatever, 
like strictly because of a connection to a recruit bringing yep. stuff over. That doesn't seem like something that Wisconsin and Paul Chris no. would do. So it I, doesn't. I, okay, it seems out of character, correct? It does. But it, if let's say Caleb Williams ends up at Wisconsin, and of course there are rumors of that, then I think maybe it had something to do with it. That There's a little bit more. Of, it, it's a stronger connection a at that bit. point. Um, it's not official yet. Wisconsin fans, I get it. I mean, I would be... I would be excited if I was a Wisconsin fan as well, if I thought this was a rumor. Um, but Jesse Temple, he writes for The Athletic. I don't think he's convinced yet. Hmm. Um, a lot of the uh, stink around this is with actually the aforementioned uh, Caleb Williams family um, in that they have made it pretty clear that that Caleb Williams is – he's the, the biggest fan of Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams hmm. – um, they want that money. They want the bag. And I don't know how that would work out in Wisconsin. I mean, when yeah. it, the Badgers are so far behind the Packers. As right, far but as, still, there's there's notable alumni that are probably more point. than willing and more to than pull able something up or to whatever. dig deep into their pockets. It's a yeah. good point. Um, long story short is the general thought process is much like coaches act like uh, they're looking at another job opening. The, the, the rumor is that's what the Caleb Williams family is doing to yeah. drive up the price and get that bag from USC Boy. to go play with his ex-coach. I mean, th- this is the world we're in right now, Kurt. I know. it's I don't like it, but whatever. But we'll see where it. that goes. It, but I would just say is I get it. You got to go to to be the best. You got to go at the best. But but this is now public. You got to think Graham Mertz is sitting there like, oh yeah, what, what am I chop chop liver here? Right. So now, then it falls through. Ah, just kidding, Graham. You're right. You're still our guy. Right. So not a good thing. Not I don't a good know. thing. That's interesting. And um, speaking of a guy, a guy named Braylon Allen. Yeah, is 18 years old <laughs> you know, now. You know what I realized that we missed. He's only 17, 17. We could have been doing that we all year. That. We could have played that every time. Damn. So um, it's, that's not as bad as missing the Theisman, but there's a couple. Yeah. We have a couple whiffs here recently. Why do you have to bring up Theisman? I know. That just depressed me. Um, but anyways, I, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but Braylon Allen tweeted out like, yeah, it was great. Like, hey, y'all, I'm 18 now. Yeah. So, you know, and, and he was laughing about it. So he's he was in on the joke. He was aware. So I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, the only thing he didn't mention is that the tight end is related to Barry Alvarez. Right, right. Which is which is done now, too. Th- that's also done. Yes. Crazy. Wow. What are we going to talk about? End of an guys? era. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, Ohio State hired Tony Alford. As their run game coordinator, um, I just find that interesting because it's not like Ohio State's run game was in shambles. But when you are, you know, chasing Alabama and whatnot, uh, even even not having an elite running game, just having a really, really good running game true. gets you pressure at Ohio State. Yeah. Like, I think those offensive coordinators or uh, off, uh, 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 assistant coaches, what I was trying to say, I think the assistant coaches – around Ohio State, probably walk around in fear of Ryan Day. Like, he's a slick-looking, nice-looking guy, but, boy, I, I think he guts you if, if if given the chance. So you think he's a little Herb's disciple, perhaps? I don't think he's quite down that level, but yeah. there's probably pieces of Herb's that yeah. he took. Sticking in uh, the Big Ten East, Michigan loses their defensive coordinator, M- Mike Montgomery, 
Boy, talk about a Costanza exit right there. Go, leave it on a high note, right? Good Come point. in one year, boom, have a great season. Thanks, out of here. How crazy is it that, I mean, one of the reasons you and I erroneously picked Michigan to finish lower than what obviously they did was all the new faces and new yes. places. And and I would honestly say Mike Montgomery as the defensive coordinator probably was at the top of my list for concerns Okay, because he had such little experience in the college yeah. game working with college players. It obviously worked this year so well that he spends one season in Ann Arbor and, and then it's it's friendly fire from within the family. Correct. And it's also Big Ten <sighs> making a trade with the Ravens. They, okay, we'll give you Mike Montgomery. We get Ingram back. Okay, is it good? Okay, we're good. Crazy. Um, one of the thoughts I had was, is, you know, hard, uh, uh, khaki pants, was he able or, or willing, I should say, to give up with his defensive coordinator because... He knows he's not going to be in Arbor next year. That was my, honestly, that was my first thought. Remember the convo that me, you, and Shooty had? We were talking about Harbs, the NFL, and you guys like, no, no, no. And my, okay, now I want to clarify what I said there. So you're saying when me, you, and DS had the conversation, you were saying Harbs, the NFL, DS, and I were. No, I wasn't saying to the NFL. I said 50 50 shot. He's actually talking to the NFL, was what I specifically said. Because you guys are like, I don't think he's even talking to him. The, the general thought process from us was kind of what we mentioned before. He was using this as yeah. a negotiation well, okay. tactic. Um, I am convinced now that Harbs is kicking the tires with NFL Yeah, teams. I think he is. Okay. I think he is. I think we've got enough to prove that one of the teams that he's apparently currently kicking the tires with is the team located not far away from here, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that'd be... It's been interesting watching Gopher slash Vikings fans trying to come to terms with this if right. he would be the head coach. Boy, that would be weird to be a Gophers and Vikings fan and have Harbs be your, your guy. Yeah. But it's just weird to think about him at the Vikings when he's like a Michigan guy, so you could see the Lions play for the Bears. You could see him coaching the Bears. It's not the one that I just would have expected. No, but he is a coach that has a a the old uh, NFL North, NFC North yeah, type of feel true. to it. Yes. Like it. Like it seems like he would fit there better than San Francisco. And, you know, in like one of the tweets I saw is, are we going to get Michigan Harbaugh or 49ers Harbaugh? I mean, I would think you would get something closer to the 49ers Harbaugh. Like, I don't know. But well, what does that mean? Michigan I don't know. Harbaugh I don't. or 49ers? I mean, they're, the they're Michigan Harbaugh is pretty good. Yeah. Right. I, I, I know. I, what do we say? Are we saying he didn't do a good job at Michigan? Because I, I mean, think he did. I think he did a pretty good job. He just won the Big Ten Championship. But anyways, I don't know. We we. We don't have we don't know 100% what's going on but it's obviously a talking point that we wanted to bring up. My question is which level of weirdness Harbaugh do we get? That's yes. that's all I really That care is about. that is Does more... he start acting more normal again cuz he's in the NFL? I think so. Yeah. I like think so too. I think he was more normal. He was. He seemed like I think it. he was more normal at Stanford. Too. Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. Um all right, that is there anything else before we get into the big the schedule. Topic? We want to yeah. talk about the schedule. schedule. Yeah. So as I'm sure many people have have known, it's it was a little bit more of a hot topic. Was it? See, I can't even keep track of time. Was that beginning of this week? I think it was, right? Yeah, I think so. Like Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I had a crazy week. week. It's right. hard to remember, but um, long story short, it suddenly came out that it's it seems. And by the way, it came out that the schedule could be changed right after we got 
a schedule update <laughs> last week. Boy, who's running this thing, by the way? I just found that interesting. Um, but it it looks like Scott when Scott uh. Doctorman is reporting something, then I believe it because I believe Scott does a good job of doing his job, and I don't think he's just going to put a tweet out just for shits and giggles. He's going to write an article on something that he's got you know information to, and what it looks like is going to happen is the alliance is heating up where the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12... Okay, so let me stop you. So Docterman reported it as if it is going to happen. I don't want to say that far, um, but he reported it as this is... This is being very, you know, it's strongly being considered. There you go. Right. Thank you. Struggling right. there, but uh, so I don't think. No, he hasn't said anything okay. official. But my point is, I don't think he's going to write an article just because he heard one person say, "Hey, this could be a deal." I think there's something to this. Um, so if this goes down, what it looks like it's going to look like is that the divisions are gone. No more East. Okay. No more West. Definitely against that. Okay, um, I'm against it as well. Now, every Big Ten West fan listening to us is agreeing with us. And seemingly almost every Big Ten East fan listening to us disagrees with us. And this again, this could be its own podcast. If we have a Whopper today, we have a Whopper today. But this, the one thing I want to say is if I was an Ohio State fan, I would 100% be, be uh, uh, in favor of this. Why? Because they essentially get they're either going to win the regular season outright and go or they'll probably most of the time they don't do that they'll finish second and get another shot at whatever that team is in the big 10 championship yeah there's that side but then the flip side is you have to beat someone that's good and then beat them again potentially okay so good point I, I i don't know i would think as an ohio state fan you're up in the air on this one that's a really good point because essentially what you feel like is if you get to Indy, the hardest work is done because you play that poor, poor, horrible, I can't even believe they carry a football program, Big Ten West team, <laughs> that comes into Indianapolis. Right? I mean, that's what you're thinking as yeah. an Ohio yeah, State yeah, fan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I want to say, and I think I'm mostly speaking, oddly enough, to Michigan fans, but it seems to be a lot of... Penn State fans as well, maybe a little bit of Michigan State fans. I'd love to hear from any of you, but there are they are all in favor of getting rid of the, the divisions, and then they shit all over the Big Ten West. Right, okay? but that, like that, that doesn't make sense to me. It at makes all. zero sense. Yeah, to because me. okay, let's say you topple Goliath. Well, now you got to topple him again. Let's be and, Michigan State. Let's just say Michigan State. And, and right? by the They're, way, you just you played all your cards to beat them. You had to pull everything out. Now they've seen all of that, and now they get to make adjustments and play you again. That's okay. Now go out and beat them again. I don't, how do, how do they, how are they not seeing? That? I don't know. I don't understand it. Like I believe as a Michigan state, Michigan and Penn state fan, again, love to hear from you. This is my point of view. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing from your point of view, meaning the person that disagrees with us that, that I, that I'm not understanding, but, but I just can't see this any other way than it's already a hard deal to get to Indianapolis you're the the ability to get to Indianapolis doesn't change it's about the same but to then win in Indianapolis when there's now a 50% greater chance that that team you're going to play is is going to be better I don't the thing I always liked about college was there was no mulligans that 
it okay that's a great way of putting it there is no mulligans and then the other side of it is the absolute just disgusting makes me want to vomit in my you know empty uh amador double barrel whiskey uh, <laughs> bottle here it, we, we could see ohio state and michigan redoing it back to michigan weeks. michigan state redoing it yeah like I, I don't, don't it's like not it. a big deal if it's if if you know ohio state and and wisconsin play in the regular season and redo it that's not a big deal right okay we're obviously talking about tried and true yeah 100 rivals, plus year yeah. old rivalries yeah. so you get that you know let's say just by example let's say you know michigan's obviously just won the big 10 championship michigan state is ascending right michigan michigan state play a regular season game michigan state wins another thriller over michigan right those two teams both wind up 11 and 1 and in indy and then michigan gets you in indianapolis where they finished 12 and 1 win the big 10 championship i mean how much did that just knock down your regular season win over michigan right. state like right. michigan doesn't even, like congrats for getting the yeah. the first one we got the one that matters that's it right so if you are a michigan state fan that's clamoring in this in this example for to get rid of the divisions you have just given up your your rights to bitch about how when if something like that goes down like that of course you you want this this is baked into the cake so you better you better no, understand I, I don't i didn't want that part of the cake right i don't know okay so we're belaboring the, let's move on from that well we're, and then on the same schedule talk so this this kind of you know this is a quick it's a rant but i'm going to try to stay calm because i believe Angry podcasting is not good podcasting, so as best I can. Um, the the Cover 3 podcast. Well, but hold on. we got to go through the rest of the, the changes. So they would eliminate the the um, the divisions, but they move from nine games to eight games. Oh, sorry. Yep. Which I would be in favor of because that's what the SEC is doing. Correct. I, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on board. Please give me eight games. And then they would also schedule... With that additional game, I guess the one that you're eliminating, the one conference game, with that game, you're scheduling against either the Pac-12 or the ACC, which I'm in favor of, too. I am in favor of that. Um, I'm in favor of it for for two reasons. Number one, well, potentially three as a personal. Number one and two for every Big Ten fan, I love the Big Ten playing outside the conference with another Power Five conference. Absolutely. It's, It's awesome TV for me and I think almost everybody involved. The second reason I really like it is because it finally, I hope, well, it, it it starts to even things up a little bit more with the SEC, but I'm also going to get into that because that's not entirely true. Point being is college football fans, if I could be so bold, knowledgeable college football fans like me and you and mo- many of our listeners, we're, we're craving uniformity in that yeah. it's insane that one team plays literally eight power five teams in a season and another one could play 10. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody needs to be at, I think nine or 10 yeah. for the whole season. I, I hope, I think this gets us a little bit closer to that, but not entirely. So yeah, again, not it's really because, but I tell you because what, because we're giving up the, a big 10 game, but we're signing up. Yeah, for another we're si- power so five. I don't, I think it's an even trade pretty much. 
Now, why I, another reason I would like it is I don't know about Iowa or any of the other programs, but Illinois used to play the Pac-12 out of conference yes. every year. Right. I mean, they'd play in Oregon or in Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, even USC. We did that a number of times. Stanford, I can remember playing. Uh, Cal. So th- that's been a relationship that seems to have gone away in recent years because with, of the nine Illinois. Game. Because of the nine games. Because of the nine games. So right. then you get that back. So I like that. That's I that's, do too. that's good. Um, but yeah, and then as a, I, I gave you the two points, you know, that are for every team. The third point is, and of course, to every Iowa fan, I don't think you can blame us. We're all sitting there saying, so what does this mean? Is Iowa going to sign up for eight conference games? Obviously the ninth game versus Arizona, but we're also, that's not a good, a, a, a PAC 12 team. That's pretty good, but we're also going to sign up for Iowa state. So Iowa plays. Yeah. I don't want that. No. I don't want no. 10 power five, you know. No, I know. Yeah, and, and, right, right. And I'm sorry. I I don't think I hate Iowa State as much as a lot of Iowa fans, but I, I've got a loathness in there for me. So I, I, it would not bother me at all for, to watch that game go away. I'm just tired of watching it. I'd that, like to watch something different. I'm tired of it, too, as a okay. non-Iowa person. So we'll see about that. Okay. Um, last thing here. And again, so back into trying to stay calm. Okay, stay calm. Stay okay. calm. All right, stay uh, calm. But this that's, was the this was the uh, January twenty fourth uh, cover three podcast. So again, uh, uh, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, and Buddy Elliott. Um, Too many Dan- people on one podcast. Right. Sorry. That's, I think three should be the limit yeah. for a pod. Uh, Danny Cannell never gets. He never seems to actually for the, these type of things. He doesn't join it. He's pretty good at staying out of this type okay. of statements. Okay. Uh, Bud Elliott leans into it, yeah. right? Chip's just along for the ride, and, and I'm a little disappointed by Tom sometimes. Okay. I, I wish you, I wish you, you know, because I think overall Tom's good dude. He's he's hilarious on Twitter and stuff like that. But like he's just going along with the narrative, and I and I feel like he needs to to stick up for for his conference, the Big yeah. Ten, yeah. and a little bit for the Big Ten West. So. So anyways, they had a show. It is a pretty cool concept where they drafted teams for the 2022 season okay. who will finish in the top 25. Okay. So they did a snake draft. So obviously you start with sure. Alabama first and you get points. This actually sounds kind of fun. It's cool. Okay. I, I, I'm trying to give them props at the same time that I'm going to attack them a little <laughs> right. bit. Okay. Yeah. So so it's cool. It's a good idea. And in, in, in that case, it helps to have four uh, hosts like we would have to do it Correct. with DS and yeah. somebody else did it. Um, uh, so you know they start getting down to I think each one picked ten teams, so forty teams total for the top twenty five. Okay, so you start getting down to your you know seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth pick. You know you're trying to pick teams that whatever. So so Bud Elliott, okay, picks Minnesota, okay, okay, and he he looks at their their schedule, okay. And he goes, have you seen this schedule? This is absolute Big Ten Westum. Oh, no. Okay. Thank you for making that reaction right there. So then you sit there and you're like, what What do you mean by that, bud? <laughs> this is absolute Big Ten Westum. So that's, that is obviously showing your biases, biases against the Big Ten West. He, well, he as a Southern fried... You know, Nashville-based, probably, I don't even know, but I bet he is. Like, he obviously grew up to dislike the Big Ten in general, especially the Big Ten West. He's also a stats nerd. So anybody that wins a game by not turning the ball over and playing good defense, just 
Sure. It, it it poisons his his nerdy well, then, offense offensive soul. Let's you just know? give one example from this past season in the Big Ten West, where oh they they're playing garbage Illinois today. Oops, they lost. You you there were very few teams you could just sleep. I mean, really, Northwestern was last it. year was the only team Correct. that you could just roll your hum, helmet out, especially by the end of the expect year, expect to win the game. Yeah. Um, so then I sat there, and then he breaks down Minnesota's schedule again. Have you seen this schedule? This is absolute Big Ten Westum. And then he's like, they're, so he's like, they're playing bubble. So he lists off the two. I don't have it in front of me, but it's two patsies that that Minnesota is sure. playing. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then he and then he's like Colorado, which is a Power Five team. Yeah, correct. And he goes, and then their crossovers are uh, uh, Penn State. Well, their crossovers are Penn State and Michigan State. Wow. Okay. And the other one I think is Maryland. Okay. So, but. Are, Which are, by they the way, supposed to a, play, are they supposed to play Ohio State twice? I don't like what is that's that's the team that just finished, you know, uh, uh, well, I mean, what, 11 and two, but to my Michigan State to my point about Illinois, Maryland's no cakewalk. So he just listed off three bowl teams with Michigan State right. going to a New Year's Day bowl right. and finishing with 11 wins. Penn State is a historically phenomenal football program. What is the point of that statement? I mean, it's a it's a lazy right. narrative statement is, that is. has no basis. So then I sat there and I got then I got then I got creative. Okay, and I'm okay. not going to go right. through all of this, but but you're you're literally you're looking at schedule, right? You're looking at how a schedule breaks down for a division and a conference. Because again, to me, I look this break this down as how many Power Five teams are you playing in a year? Ten's more than eight. Right? Nine's more than eight. Yep. Ten's more than nine. Right. And I would throw in how many FCS teams are you playing in a year? That's a good point too. I didn't even think about that. So I I I you know, once the the I put the kids and the wife down to bed on Friday night. I got I had some Amador and I just went and looked. Okay, so I started out with the ACC, 14 teams. That, so I'm looking at this is this is last year's schedule. Okay. Okay. Fourteen teams, nine out of fourteen played ten power five teams. That's pretty good. Not bad. 64%. Wow. Okay. So that's pretty good. Okay. Then I went to the Big 12. Okay. Uh, 10 teams in the Big 12. Seven played 10 or more. So 70%. Pretty good. But again, so what we're talking about here, we're talking about you play 10 Power 5 teams and two Patsies. Minnesota, again, 10 Power 5 teams and two Patsies, right? So aren't we simpatico here? So far. And by so the way, far, so good. And by the way, Wake Forest, NC State, Syracuse, Boston College, and Pitt. They only played nine. They only played nine. Okay. Okay. In the Big Twelve, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Whoa. Who who was who in played the for the Big Twelve championship, Kurt? Interesting. Interest. I think it was Oklahoma State and Baylor. Quite the connection there. Hey, you know what? Let's go to the SEC. Do you know how many teams in the SEC played ten Power Five teams? I mean, I'm gonna guess. Okay, I'm just saying, one. Okay, I was gonna guess like two or three. One. Okay. Georgia played 10. Good. Wow. Top, they play, They started out with Clemson, and they play Georgia Tech every year. That's a rivalry. Other than that, every other SEC team played their eight SEC opponents and one power five for a total of nine. So maybe we should stop dragging so much on the Big Ten West-dom and look at the SEC-dom. The SEC-dom. Because they're like playing it. nine, all but one, Georgia. And, and now, coincidentally, there they win the national championship. Right. So maybe iron sharpens iron in that case. <laughs> Lastly, by the way, I didn't break down the Pac-12 because I don't know. I ran out of steam. 
the Big Ten last year, okay? Do you know how many teams in the Big Ten played 10 or more Power 5 teams? I'm going I'm to guess uh, 11. 13. Wow, okay. Do you know the only team that did not play 10 Power 5 teams? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot like that. No, that, wasn't I, my, that wasn't my plan. Um, I don't know. I can't. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, it's not Northwestern, is it? No. Indiana. And who is the group of five team they played? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Oh, my so gosh. So the only team that didn't play God, 10. right, yeah. But we averaged 10 for the entire conference. You want to know why? Western Kentucky Because Purdue played 11. Dude, Purdue. We've always Pur- talked about how crazy Purdue's Purdue scheduling is. is. But how about that? Purdue. By the way, we, the respect that needs to be put on Purdue's. Uh, for, absolutely. They played a 12 Power five teams when you factor that is in the amazing. bowl, what and they s- won nine games. See, this is uh, going back to so do you, there. This that was the sneaky great story of the entire. It was Big Ten right there. It Purdue, was. Purdue Boilermakers. But how about I mean, how about that? That the only Big Ten team that didn't play ten Power five teams was Indiana, but they played a team that got into the college football well, playoffs. And poor Indiana, they're just saying let's let's schedule. You know, make sure we don't schedule a Power five team out of conference. Improves our chances of getting to a bowl game. And then, okay. boom, Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, last one. Okay. Um, th- th- uh, they got down towards the end, and you'd be proud. Your, your boy Tom, he picked Illinois as his last pick. Oh, good. Okay. You know, he's an Illinois fan. And they, I, I wouldn't have done that myself, but They okay. all chuckled. <laughs> and then it led into, well, you know, who knows? And, and Tom Fernelli accurately said, there's no great team in the West, but there's a whole bunch of really good, you know, teams, pretty yeah. good teams, which is, which is accurate. Um, and then Chip Patterson said, yeah, you know, you, who knows who comes out of the big 10 West and quote, and I quote, it feels like that champ could be seven and two or six and three again. And they all, <laughs> and agree. So I did another little deep dive. Oh boy. Okay. I mean, it doesn't take long <laughs> to do this. The Leaders and Legends last year was in 2013. Yep. Okay. So we take that Get out that because one. that, that, so we start from 2014 and on. Uh, Wisconsin got in with a seven and one record. Okay. In 2015, Iowa got in with a eight and O record. Okay. Uh, in 2016, Wisconsin again, seven and two. Now we switch to the nine game conference schedule. 2017, Wisconsin, nine and O. 2018, Northwestern, eight and one. 2019 Wisconsin seven and two, 2020 Northwestern six and one. Last year Iowa seven and two. Did you so did you see a six and three? There's in there? two two loss seasons and Correct. the rest have one or zero. So where are these? Where are these six and three and seven and two? There's a couple seven they, and two. Clearly, but, they're, they're, but but by their thought process, every year because because this is what you hear all the time about. You know, if you go to an automatic, uh, if you win the conference, you get in. And they always go to the, some 8-4 and four Big Ten team is going to get into the Big Ten championship and win. The the closest we got to that, of course, was Northwestern in 2018. They were 9-3. and three yeah. Because they lost, remember, they lost to Duke and Directional U yeah. that year. And then went on a tear and went, that's the closest we got. They were 9-3. and three. That is, can we at least agree that? That's an anomaly that that's happened. Like not so much. That's not an anomaly for Northwestern. It's an anomaly that Northwestern would be that 
subpar out of conference and then rip through a, Correct. the conference. I mean, it's, it's the I mean, outlier. There's when, one when outlier. They went eight and one. They didn't win all of those games versus the Big Ten West. They got a couple versus the Big Ten East in that situation. Yeah, too. and they're and they're with that statement, they're assuming, well, they had three crossover games. They obviously lost two of those because it's against the East. Well, obviously not. Yep. And by the way, they played Ohio State tough that year. Yeah, they the did in, in the championship game. They, and then they and then they beat Utah in the bowl. Another thing I'd like to point out. The boy. Big Ten went three and one in the this past bowls, with the only loss being a last second loss by Iowa to a good Kentucky team. You would you would think that record would be flipped by by the way we put it. By the way, last thing that, that Tom Fernelli said. Yeah. He goes he he was talking about Jalen Berger yeah. going from Wisconsin to Michigan State. Yep. And he goes yeah, that'll be interesting. Jalen Berger, uh, very similar player to what Kenneth Walker was. Huh? Thank you. They're not similar at all. Tom, what are you doing They're there, not buddy? similar at all. No. That's like comparing Ladanian Tomlinson to the bus. Right. I, I, I didn't get that at all. Wow, weird. Okay, was that worth? I mean, again, to just, to it, what they're doing is they're just, they're just throwing stuff out there. They're, they're throwing it out there, and I felt like, when Bud Elliott, who is the only one on the podcast that I honestly don't like. Okay. I like everybody else on that podcast. The podcast during the year for their gambling, top notch. Okay. Love it. You know, just want to say that. But but Bud Elliott is the yards per play, yards per play, new sure. fan that, you know, yells at uh, cloud guys like me and you can't stand. He, I mean, that is a narrative that they're just trying to throw out there and, and back up. And it's, it's, we have a podcast too, you know. And I just feel like we do this on the side. We care about our careers more. Sorry, folks, but we do. This is what they do for a living, you would think. They could go a little deeper than, than a headline. A lazy make, maybe like make their own headline. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. All right, moving on to the team grades portion of the podcast. Once again, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Illinois. So that means first up is the Wisconsin Badgers. Their preseason over-under was 9.5. I had 10-2. and two. For Wisconsin. I also had 10 and 2 for Wisconsin. Their actual record was 8 and 4. So we were both two games off. Most people, I would like to say, were probably two games off. They win their bowl game to finish 9 and 4. So this is what's interesting with the schedule breakdown for Wisconsin is I mean, how much of it came down to that first game of the year where they lost to Penn State 16 to 10. Penn State deserved to win that game, or I at least should say Wisconsin didn't deserve to win it. Um, but that that started things off right then and there in kind of a clunky feel for Wisconsin and, and predominantly Wisconsin's offense. Yeah, great defensive matchup that day. Of course, the Big Ten got bashed for it being a good defensive game. But at the same time, you could tell something wasn't right with Wisconsin offense. Right. Um, the next week I was like, yeah, but they're just going to roll right over Eastern Michigan. I put all kinds of money on that. They did win 34-7, to barely. They barely covered in that game. I thought maybe they were back on track here Well, they ran for bit. like 360 yards in the yep. game. Versus an inferior opponent. But then in comes Notre Dame. Now, they lose this game 41-13. to But if you can remember, I mean, that was a game deep into the second half. In fact, even into the fourth quarter. But this, the issues with Wisconsin kind of looked the same through the first two and three quarters or all through the first three games, which is the defense looked good. The offense was just lagging behind. Yeah, and and speaking of rush yards, Notre Dame, they had 78 rushing yards in that game. Correct. Uh, then the next game, they play Michigan at home again. 
There was no doubt in this one. Michigan was the better team from start to finish. They win this game 38-17. to And all of a sudden you look up and Wisconsin is 1-3 and and no longer ranked. Okay, continue with the, the rushing theme here. Okay. 43 rush yards against Michigan that game. We're, we're, so we're picking out a theme. At this point, I'm starting to think, well, Wisconsin's not very good this year, but also Michigan looks a lot better than I thought. Well, and, and, then, and then the happening. thing you look up is their two biggest losses this year, obviously, was Notre Dame and Michigan. Well, Michigan won the Big Ten Championship and got to the college football playoffs. Notre Dame was mostly considered the fifth best sure. team in the country. So it wasn't like they were... Avoiding everybody. Now, what do we do after that? Well, we essentially find Braylon Allen, the then 17, but now 18-year-old, and they whip off, rip off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins oh in a row. Illinois Army, Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska. I did it. I looked up the the average uh score in those seven games, 31 to 10. And I should have done average rushing in that game because yeah. as soon as they inserted Braylon Allen, that's when their run game just took on a new life, and they didn't have trouble running at all after no. that. Their, their defense somehow got a little bit better as the year went on. I think I can say that. Uh, their rushing attack definitely got better. The passing attack, the throw game, was never there. Nope. It, it, it was not, and that's what stopped this from being a typical quote-unquote Wisconsin team, right? And, and 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 obviously a lot of that is on Graham Mertz. A lot of it has to do with, I believe, the play calling and I the lack so. of targets on the outside, whether it be from injury or whatnot. I'm just saying there was a lot of stuff going on. However, we're not going to cheat you out, uh, Gopher fans. They lose to Minnesota at the end of the year and lose the ax. That was a bitter pill to swallow for every Wisconsin fan. But to continue on with it, the biggest thing in that game, don't, Minnesota fans, you won the game fair and square. You deserve it. Braylon Allen was not healthy in that game. You could tell yeah. it made a gigantic difference for how yeah. that, that game went out. Is That's a that good fair? point. That is, that is fair. And I, but you know, going into that game, I had so much confidence in them beating the Gophers because of that seven-game win streak and because the the run game had been looking so good. So that was a little surprise to me. But yes. Yeah, I think you have to factor in the Braylon Allen. And, and think about this. Those rushing stats that you gave in the uh, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan losses were not good, right? They still wind up 22nd in the country for rushing yards per game. <sighs> Passing yards per game, 120th. It, it doesn't get too much worse than that. Um, but then their defensive stats, my gosh. First in total yards, first in defensive rush yards, fifth in defensive passing yards, fourth in average score against them. They only average 16 points a game. Like, I know we talked about it a lot. You know, we talked about Jim Leonard. We did the You Don't Mess Around with Jim song, or at least I did. But, dude, this was an insanely talented and cohesive Wisconsin defensive unit. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the – Regular season record, eight and four, not bad. A little bit of a step back from what Wisconsin's used to. Overall, nine and four. But I, I feel like, in a way, the defense was a little bit wasted this year. Yes. I, and I would think most Wisconsin fans would yeah, agree with you. Because, you know, if you're a Wisconsin fan, if we only had a passing game, this is the kind of team that maybe could have gone to the, the playoff. Playoff might be pushing it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, with a defense of, that good, that's a you know 
Lack of playmakers. I mean, it depends on what your definition of is is when you're talking about this much better okay. passing attack. But I I am I understand the basis of what you're saying. Yeah, if you have a good passing attack, I think they could have stacked up against Michigan. Stacked up. I would still put Michigan over top of them in this instance, but a much closer looking you know type of deal. But you see what I say? Like if you had told Wisconsin fans, this is how good your defense is going to be. You would expect pre- that you, you, been- you definitely would expect you wound up in Indianapolis, and you probably yep. were th- were thinking lofty stuff. That's right. a good point. Um, okay, team stud on team stud on the count of three. One, two, three. Leo, Leo Chanel. Chanel. So. Leo, we have we have definitely you know professed our our respect and love for Leo Chanel. He was an absolute dynamo. Can I can I say something a little? I don't think this is going to be crazy, but I'm I'm interested on in your take. Okay? okay, team stud without a doubt, Leo Chanel. Team MVP is Braylon Allen. Probably true. Okay, yeah, because that's when your season turned around. Once you started giving him the ball, where would have they? Because that's how. That's how close some of these teams and the record can teeter. You give Wisconsin a little bit better passing attack, they're probably an 11-win team. You take Braylon Allen off this team, they barely make a bowl. Is that fair? I think that's fair because you look down the schedule, they probably lose to Purdue. They probably lose to Iowa. So that's there Dude, you go. Nebraska that's was six. right at them. Nebraska too, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, like it that's how close it was. So like of course, of of like Wisconsin is, da- their backs are against the wall. Their rushing attack isn't working. Che Louis is doing okay, but like the one-two punch they thought they were gonna have is not that great. And they're like, hey, what about this guy? And they find a 17-year-old that was either a running back or linebacker, depending on what recruiting source you got, and he wound up being an absolute stud. But back to Leo <laughs> Chanel, I I can't imagine being on the opposite side of the ball from and looking at that guy because he is just pure intimidation factor. I, it'll be interesting to watch what kind of NFL career he has. I know. I'm really curious. I think he'll do just fine. I, it, but I'm mm. sure it'll fit. It, it'll it'll depend on what defense he fits yeah, into. Yeah, but yeah. I think he'll be in a 3-4. Somebody's going to take him in like, he'll probably go in like mid to late second mid. round or something mid. like that. You think that high? Oh, yeah. I was Maybe thinking more, I was thinking more like 3-4. I, I'll say definitely higher than four, two or three. But anyways, right. somebody's going to love that linebacker when I they think get so. him is what I, I think. think. So. Uh, I'm mean, kind of interested in what you got here. Best game slash moment? I'm going with Jolly Stomping number nine, Iowa, yeah. to really assert themselves in the West. They obviously didn't win the West. Iowa ended up winning the West. But at that point, beating them head to head, and not just beating them, beating their ass 27 to 7. You figure, okay, they're going to cruise to the Big Ten West title here. Yeah, I also have beaten Iowa. I mean, rivalry game. Iowa was ranked ninth at the time. That was their fourth win in a row. Like, things were feeling good in Cheeseland. So, yeah, I think that's what I got too. Head scratcher. I'm just going to go with the offensive line play early in the season. Okay. Because it, it I remember th- talking on the cast, like, what is happening? This is not a Wisconsin line. It looked disheveled. They weren't run blocking well. They weren't pass blocking well. If you remember, Mertz had a lot of pressure on him early. And then what changed that was Braylon Allen. Somehow having that running back in there, being the bell cow, something started a cohesion that, that just flipped their – their play for the rest of the year. I I just assumed we were going to have the same answer here, so that's very interesting. I just have how unprepared Graham Mertz and the passing attack looked. Like, no, I mean it, it just. I see what you're saying. I I do have because because and I'm not just saying at the beginning of the year like 
obviously once we were into October, November, the rushing attack was just cruising. Typically when you get a rushing attack going like that, you know, I, I believe I'm, I've never been a defensive coordinator, but you start sucking more people up to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Doesn't that create opportunities for people on the outside? Yeah, and but, I know they had injuries. I get it, but man, have some depth then. Like, like, yeah, it just was not there ever. But it it was bad last year too, though. I felt that's, like it was worse this year, though. Yeah, it might have been, but that's why I didn't choose that. I mean, I had that on my short okay. list, okay. but I didn't go with it. Team grade. What do you got? Hey, yeah, this is a. Um. Mm, I, okay, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with B minus. Okay, I'm gonna go with a B minus. Okay, this was a tough one. All right, because I was thinking about C plus, but you're eight and four, nine and four overall. You have played great defense. You can't give a C grade. You have to go somewhere in the A B range. Okay, so I'm going B minus. All right, I was on the line between C plus and B minus. You have just convinced me to also go with a B minus. I, I kind of want you to go first there because I couldn't make up my mind. Um, I, I would say about this, how about this for a positive spin? How about the fact that you win nine games with that passing attack? That That is incredible program building. That's a Herculean effort right Her, there. Right? I mean, if you if you know that you're spotting your team playing with one hand tied behind their back offensively with the passing attack to, to wind up going 8-4 and four and 9-4 and four and win the bowl, I don't know. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll go B-. minus. All right, that gets us into the 2002 spring ahead. So what needs improvement? I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but something in the throw game, right? Um, if it's Caleb Williams, Obviously, that would be something that you would look at. But if it's not Caleb Williams, um, one of the reasons that I would think Caleb Williams would think twice about coming to Wisconsin is, I mean, the lack of targets is shocking. Like, yes, I I agree. And you you have a couple names out there, but they just they did not play well. No, like it's nothing that you even the most optimistic Badger fan. And I would say Soup, you know, he's he's one of them guys. I got to think he's like, listen, I feel good about a lot of things, but but the the pass catchers that we have, like any, like cause typically there's one. And then you're like, we got to build some depth behind him. I can't even really say they have one. I don't think so. Right now. They didn't. They did. So I think offensive scheme, bringing in scheme, someone fresh, bu- bringing in Bobby Ingram, I think that's a good play there. By the way, one one just little caveat to add. They're replacing a lot of starters on defense. Well, so that's that. That's what I had next. Okay. Is how do you repeat that defensive performance? You're not going to repeat it, but how do you you know keep it going? In I mean, the you, they, and they keep can it drop a from. How do you keep it a strength? Right, I guess, is what I'm saying. Or another way of putting it is, we we I'm sure we haven't talked about it. I'm sure we both agree that Wisconsin will have a good defense next year. They'll be fine. But what happens if you fall all the way to 14th? Oh no. But God, it could make God a huge. God forbid, twenty fourth. It could make a huge difference. <laughs> of course, it could. And then, so so, then yeah. another thing is they've taken a small step back in recruiting. I don't think there's anything to be worried about. But they're not recruiting like they had been the previous couple of years. So, okay. got to get back to where they were. Okay. Um, by the way, as far as who's coming back next year, it's basically Keanu Benton and a bunch of new faces. Mm. So I was, I was thinking about maybe calling it Keanu and the kids. Okay. To start out. All right. Good. See how that goes. Uh, So what's looking good? Um, I mean, essentially Braylon Allen and anything that Jimmy Leonard touches. Yeah. And, and yes, for sure. And I guess offensively, it's still Wisconsin. Their line's going to be fine. And I trust Chris 
to do the right things to continue to play Wisconsin football. I mean, there, there Wisconsin that I guess that's my explanation. There's still Wisconsin there, there Wisconsin. And on top of that, I would be excited if I was a Wisconsin fan for the fact that Ingram is coming in because you know that you're going to get a fresh set of eyeballs on the passing game and the offense right. in general, that, that would excite me as well. And I don't know much about what he wants to do with scheme, but you would think it involves the passing game and being a wide receiver. And, and a trade. few things different that they haven't been doing. Probably, yes. For, to really set the bar yeah. low. All right, that's the Wisconsin Badgers. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Next team up. These teams are all kind of connected. I thought maybe you would like that a little bit. We got the Penn State Nittany Lions. Their preseason over-under was nine. I predicted 10-2 and two for Penn State. I also had 10-2. and two. Wow, we, we're kind of similar. Well, not quite. They went 7-5 and five in the regular season, lost their bowl game to finish 7-6. and six. So, obviously a disappointing year for Penn State. Didn't start out that way, though. Um they get the ugly win in Wisconsin. Every Penn State fan that I saw was essentially like, hey, man, it's tough to go into Wisconsin and get a win. I don't care how ugly it looked. You got the dub. Hey, Illinois looked pretty ugly yesterday against Northwestern. Counts the same. Get the win. Then they blast Ball State. Uh, they wind up blasting Villanova and Indiana. And in between there, the whiteout game versus Auburn, they win 28-20. to One of the better football contest in the Big Ten this year. Is that fair to say? The Auburn game, huh? One of the best ones. The whiteout whiteout setting. Well, the whiteout. It was down down to the end. Um, That was a great game. It was an amazing game. But Auburn, they they see that every week, don't they? The whiteout? (laughs) I mean, it's it's whiteout atmosphere. I mean, going into into play Arkansas or play Iowa or play uh, Penn State in the whiteout, same deal. There's no difference. Okay, so they start the year off. 5-0, 5-0, and oh, they get all the way up to, I believe, a number four ranking in the the uh, uh, AP. Then they come into Kinnick, and they lose 23-20. to 20. It, was a, it was a painful loss for Penn State fans. A, a relative war started between Kirk Ferentz and James Franklin, uh, along yes. with Penn State and Iowa fans. Um, but it did... So that that game had an effect. It had an effect on Penn State's psyche, and then more importantly, or they're kind of intertwined. Sean Clifford got hurt. Well, that was a big part of it. Sean Clifford getting hurt. That was huge. But then all you have to do is look at there through the remaining of the season, and yeah, it's got it a had, different tenor to it. Absolutely. After that. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about a nine overtime loss to Illinois. Nine times, and and, and Clifford. Not 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 himself in that game. No. Clearly not himself. But and this is where this is gonna be a big factor in my grade. This is where you need that run game to lean on. And they you know, that's when you start realizing they just can't do it. The the, the lack of running game is a great point. The other thing I was gonna bring say is you, you recruit more than one guy to play quarterback at a prestigious, amazing football program like Penn State. I'm not saying the second guy comes in and is just as good as the first, they did not seem to have an option Mm -mm. 
at, at, at a second quarterback. Mm-mm. The guy that wanted to play in the second half for I was even on the roster anymore. He took off on the offseason. Right. They got the Frenchman from Canada who looked good yep. at the time, but like I gotta say, I don't I don't I if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm a little bit annoyed at James Franklin and the offensive staff for not having a guy ready to go a little bit. I mean, yeah. I understand to a certain degree where he's thrown into a tough environment in Kinnick at night, but that next week you're playing at home versus no offense, a not fantastic opponent. None taken. You, you should, you should, <laughs> you should have enough time then to get a guy ready to go because because um, um, uh, uh, Clifford was not ready to go. In no, that you, game. you you had to anticipate. There's a really good chance he's not going to finish this game. So who's ready? And Weird. nobody certainly looked ready. It, so then they lose a third in a row to Ohio State. Dude, no harm, no foul there. 33-24. to 24. You could make an argument that was the best performance of the whole year other been. than Auburn. It might have been. I mean, because there again, they were – and Clifford was looking better in that game. Um, and I tell you what, that was a tough – next game up, they beat Maryland. That is a tough spot for Penn State. I want to give them credit for this. They they have lost three games in a row. They were mm-hmm. on the road in the horseshoe. They go on the road again to play Maryland to go in to the shell and get a 31-14 win. I'm just saying. Especially considering what had happened the previous year. It was pretty impressive. Then they play Michigan tough. Maybe that's one of their best performances of the year. Lose to Michigan. I mean, probably one of the things that we need to do is every time Penn State is a dog versus teams like that, take Penn State and the points because – they play these teams tough all the time. Yeah, the one thing you can say for if not beat them is every good team they played, they played them down right to the it. wire because they got talent. But I, it's I mean, impressive. Like, I know. Like Iowa twenty three twenty, Ohio State thirty three twenty four, Michigan twenty one seventeen, Michigan State we're going to get to thirty yep. twenty seven. They played all the best teams in the conference and played them tough down to the wire. Beat Auburn. Beat Wisconsin. You know, more yeah. bowl teams. So, yeah, uh, they blank Rutgers. Rutgers had, they couldn't bust a, you know, fruit and a, or a bust a grape and a fruit fight in that game. And then Michigan State, I mean, like you said, they, they played them tough, you know. Then the bowl game versus Arkansas, honestly, they were just pooped out at that point. Like, I just felt like it was one of those bowl games yeah. right from the beginning. You could just tell. And it was close at halftime. You know what? They didn't want to be there. Maybe that's what, it, maybe that's what it was. So the stats, um, so they just did not score a lot of points. That was the main issue with the offense, which is back to what we talked about for the rushing attack, 118 yards rushing. And the thing is that's crazy is like a lot of Penn State fans like offensive coordinator Brent Pry. I, 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 or, uh, uh, Mike Hirsich. Mike Hirsich. I believe I'm one of them. But then you look at the stats. Yeah. This was not a this well, was this was a sneaky bad offense. I, I mean, guess. I'm glad you brought it up because there was a lot of excitement about Yersich coming in. Remember, they got rid of one year coordinator Kirk Shiraka because they wanted Mike Yersich, and we heard from Penn State fans how great the offense was going to be this year. They were disappointed. It was a disappointing offense. I yeah. think that's fair to say. Um, team stud, listen, Jahan Dotson is he'd be the team stud on most teams all across the country. I feel like he's a team stud because of statistics. He's also a team stud just because of how he looks in his uniform. Yeah. He, he was an all-timer for Penn State. 91 receptions, 1,182 yards, and 12 touchdowns on the season receiving for Jahan Dotson. This guy, in any other season, you know, you're not going to have typically a David Bell. 
And then, of course, what's going on at Ohio State with their trio of wide receivers. But this guy, in many seasons previously, would have been the best receiver in the conference. He just unfortunately teamed or uh, timed up his career at Penn State, unfortunately, against all-timer Ohio State rosters. Otherwise, yeah. And seems to make his biggest plays against the best opponents. Has amazing hands. I've never... I don't know that he dropped a pass. Seriously. And then then his interviews that I've seen. I don't know. He just seems like... A great dude. I and I've seen him all the way down in like in the first round, but like twenty eighth and thirtieth and stuff like that. And like, his one handed catches too, like the one against Ohio talented. State. Somebody's gonna get a steal. steal I think him, so. Is yeah. what I think. Um, I'd like to also give a shout out to Arnold Ibakiti. Great, great year. Sure, he's a force. And then the safety tandem of Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown. Eight picks between the two. Ooh. I mean, those are good. That's two good safeties. Wow. Yeah. Right there. Uh, best game moment? I, yeah, unfortunately, it's Wisconsin. It's okay. For me. Starting really? off the season. Yeah, sure. Starting off the season, you're going to Wisconsin to play that game. I mean, what if you started 0-1? We won that game. We we kind of – you don't know how how good Wisconsin is going to be. I know they weren't that good at that point in the season. We didn't know that yet. But to me, that gets a great start to the season in a season in which you had aspirations to play in Indianapolis. Interesting. Okay. Um, I thought it was – Honestly, like pretty clear cut for me, which is beating Auburn from the SEC. It's the whiteout environment. I mean, I know talking to a lot of Penn State fans, they wanted to beat Wisconsin. They knew they'd beat Ball State. They just wanted to get into that Auburn game ranked and and running high for the whiteout environment. They got there. They beat Auburn. To me, that was the highlight of the year. Uh, head scratcher? I'm just going with the run game. Yeah. Okay, so run game was 91st. I'm sorry, 91 rush yard. Oh, no, hold on. <laughs> Let me try that again. 91 times they rushed for a first down on the whole year. That includes the bowl really? game. That's seven a game, which is pretty low, I pretty think. Low. They had 1,402 rushing yards at 3.2 yeah, the average. yards per carry. Only 108 rush yards per game and 11 rushing touchdowns in the season. Wow. That's just crap. And this is Penn State. I know. That's why. I mean, Penn State fans, we're not trying to attack you too much. It's just it's just shocking to see this out of Penn State. Okay, and I felt like the average to me is is ridiculous. But I felt like going into this season, we both had a lot of confidence in this offensive line. Did too. And then look at the names that they have in their their backfield. Noah Kane, Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, uh, Kayvon Lee, John Lovett. They have a guy named Tank Smith in their running back room. I, I And all these guys are highly ranked recruits. Every one of them. I don't know what happened here. I do not either. It's scheme and offensive line play. I, it is. I, and, yeah. yeah. Um, as far as the head scratcher, you obviously just hit the rushing attack. I already hit the backup quarterback situation. Yeah. Uh, and then the Illinois game, you know. That's, yeah, well. That's, so I have three head scratchers because that's what wound up being – the head scratcher year, which gets to my team grade. I've got a C minus for them. Okay. I mean, they, they still got to a bowl. They still played tough every single game. I even thought about going a little bit higher, but again, this was a Penn state team that was many thought would be second and challenge Ohio state. So to wind up barely going over 500, that's what brought it down for me. Okay. And I'm not far away 
I went with a solid C. Okay. The only reason I didn't add the minus was because of what I talked about earlier about how they played so many of these good teams really close. Okay. So spring ahead, what needs improvement? Rushing attack, right? I mean, you know what? Yes, but like I'm, help Clifford out. I'm gonna go a little deeper. There, there was a little like, okay, so they lose the Iowa game, and I feel like there was a big mental aspect to the not, them not continuing, like not getting back on track and winning games again. So it's a little bit. So I'm kind of talking out two sides of my mouth, but a little bit of yump to here. You got to put your big boy pants on, and. There's because the other side of it, too, is like once they lost to because, OK, Penn State lost to Iowa as a Penn State fan. You could say whatever, you know, Iowa got lucky. It's hard to win in Kinnick, yada, yada. But then you beat Illinois and beat Ohio State. The season's back on. Yep. Once that Illinois loss happened. Uh, I, I, just... But they but it's not fair to say they folded because no, they did. They, they did didn't play exactly tough. fold. Right. But. And I'll even say, as good as their defense was this year, like they're not Wisconsin on defense, they're not Iowa on defense. You've got the talent. You've you got more talent than both those teams. Why aren't you Wisconsin? Why aren't you Iowa? And Why aren't you Michigan? I mean, the, the defensive numbers were pretty good. This was this was a good defense. I'm not um, again. I'm not saying it was bad. Yeah. Uh, defense uh, total yards 38th in the country. Okay. Not, not, not defensive rush yards 66. Not so good. That's pass so 25. Yeah, but scoring can, seven. Right, seven. Right. So that's pretty damn good. And Brent Pry has left. He's gone to uh, Virginia Tech. So that's interesting. But I think actually something that you got for uh, or that you're kind of alluding to is what I have down here is just team psyche. Yeah, there's like um, a chemistry or something. There. Something's a little off. There's a former kind of current player yeah. putting stuff on Twitter right, right now that's right. not very appealing. Like there just is a little bit of funkiness that they need to unfunkify things a little bit. Yeah, and they move need to forward. fumigate. Right, they need to fumigate. What's looking good though is just overall talent. I know it's still on the roster. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so what's looking good? I'll tell you more specifically what's looking good. You want to know what's looking good? Quarterback Drew Alar. Yeah. Five star quarterback, six foot five, 230 out of Medina, Ohio, and the fourth rated quarterback in the country. So we might have that quarterback sitch fixed up a little bit here in the near future. Be interesting. Now, is he is he on campus this fall? I, I don't yes, think. no, I believe so. Yeah, okay, yeah, we I think should, it's 22 class, that. and which is crazy because Sean Clifford's coming back, right? So he's got some time, yeah, he can develop, yeah. All right, that is your 2021 Penn State Nittany Lions. Last but not least, statistically was not least, the Illinois Fighting Illini, their preseason over-under, three and a half. Yours truly had six and six record predicted. You had six and six? Wow. I had four and eight. I was, really? I was hedging a little bit because I was thinking five and seven, but then I always put my Illini factor in there, so that took me down to four and eight. You had four wins. I did. I had six. They finished five and seven, right in between us. Right. Do we get? Do we get some? Our aggregate was five and seven. Even Steven. Plus, by the way, one that I even though I predicted four and eight, one that I really wanted to hammer was the over here. Okay. That looked like easy money to and me. And it was. Yeah. It went easy by two and a half. Yeah. One and a half. All right. Next, or going into the schedule now. So they start the year. Big Kurt and I and Doug the Carthaginian were there. It was a hot day mm. in Champagne. Hot day in Champagne, and we saw. A pretty entertaining game. Yeah. They start out the year beating Nebraska thirty to twenty-two. That was crazy. Um, I mean, I, not that it was like the craziest thing in the world to think that 
Illinois could win the game. But how it kind of went down, I mean, it was it wound up 30 to 22. Illinois was up much more than that. Yeah. Sometime in around the third quarter. Yeah, like mid third quarter. And then Martinez breaks off that long run, yep. which kind of got them back got them in back. the game. But anyways, that was a heck of a way to start the year for Illinois. God, it was exhilarating. Uh we we saw Big Beetle in the uh, uh yep. locker in the uh underneath the stadium walking down the tunnel. I high fived a couple players myself. He he missed you yep. and smacked me on the inside of my forearm so much that I had beetle marks on the inside of my forearm yep. for about four hours. Unfortunately, and this is what's interesting here, now we get into the Illinois schedule that at that time, okay, we did not know how tough this schedule was like yeah Kurt right after you have that big win you play UTSA that was a 10 win team this year I think UTSA was a really good group of five team no but I guess my point is I I knew that preseason I knew that that was going to be a tough game I did predict Illinois to win that game but I I thought it was going to be a very close game I think I predicted a three-point win for Illinois okay I had a buddy in town who's like oh Illinois win this game easy I'm like I don't think you understand yeah, that. Yeah, this is a, this is and the then, Roadrunners. Then game. Illinois loses, and he's like, oh, God, Illinois sucks so bad. I'm like, I don't think you're giving this team enough credit. Correct. I'm just saying, like, when you put UTSA on your schedule in the year 2012 now, or whatever is, that. This is what Illinois does. And, and, and then they wind happens. up being. I mean, I think you can make an argument they're the second or third best group of five team this year. They might have been the was. second best. I'm just saying that's a tough draw. Correct. Then you go to Virginia. Virginia was good this well, year. Well, but they only finished 6-6. Six and six. I, th- But they had injury issues. Their quarterback. Is that were, what it was? Yeah, okay, big part of it. Okay. So they were they were up and running by, at the time. I'm just saying, dude. When I watched, it was a tough draw. When I watched that Virginia team, I, I knew we were going to lose. I predicted a fairly easy win for Virginia. But I was watching that Virginia team thinking, oh, my goodness. These guys are, like, maybe the class of the ACC at this point. When they were healthy, they were there. And unfortunately, wow. talented. the oh, Illinois God. timing, that's when you played them. When they I were know. healthy. Of course. Okay, next game up. At Purdue, you only lose... No, Maryland. You got Maryland. First okay. Maryland. Oh, sorry. My bad. Lose to Maryland. 20-17. to 17. Literally snag defeat from the Jaws of Victory. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, I, I would say maybe snag defeat from the Jaws of Victory more than any Big Ten team, any game this year. I mean, it was five minutes left. Illinois had the ball. They were up seven in Maryland territory and loses the game in regulation by three points. That's hard to do. Tough to do. Uh Maryland went to a bowl, right? Okay. Next game up, 13 to 9 in West Lafayette to lose to a Purdue team that we are now waxing poetic about a nine-win Purdue team that played 12 power five teams. That was close. I mean, that was close. I it was I mean, so they were right there at the end of the game. Purdue was the better team that day. Re- keeping in mind David Bell did not play that game. Yeah. But Illinois had their chances to win that game. They and did. did not. They did. It was a heartbreaker. And then, but what's crazy is just like that, you look up, they're one and four, and you're like, uh oh. Yeah. And, and then uh, uh, at one and four, you now look at that Charlotte game with clenching, clenchy butt cheeks, clenching the butt cheeks. But they got to get the yeah. win to get to two and four. Don't really fire much of a shot versus the Wisconsin defense. Let's be honest. Like, if you could shut down the the Illinois rushing attack. You shut Illinois down, um, and then uh, then out of nowhere, the Penn State game, nine overtimes. Like, and we know nobody saw that coming. No, and we knew Sean Clifford was injured, but at this point, you're like the under was with the play, not Penn State losing the game. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you just didn't think you had much of a shot at all, even though it wasn't, 
you know, yep. a Penn state Penn State team at that point. Still, yep. Uh, so then you look up, and now uh, Illinois has won two of their last three, and they play Rutgers. This was, this was the pivotal point of the year. I, that was just, there was three heartbreakers. This was the third one. There's three heartbreakers. To me, this is the king of the heartbreakers. You think it's the king? Absolutely, because you win that game. So they lose to Rutgers 20-14, to 14, beat Minnesota the next and, week. And, and I want to point out, Rutgers was the better team that day. No doubt, no doubt. Rutgers deserved to win the yeah. game. I'm just saying, if you beat Rutgers, knowing that you wound up beating Minnesota, because by the way, at this point, Illinois' defense has gone from steadily improving to it's officially now a good defense yes, at this for point. Sure. If you would have won that game, you would have won one, two, three, four out of five games oh. in the middle of the year. That That is, I guarantee if you ask Beatle, that would be the one he would he would want to redo. Yeah. And then, or maybe and Maryland, then, I don't know. but And then four out of six to finish the season. Correct. If you keep going. Yep. Um, lose to Iowa. Um, I mean, I think Iowa was the better team uh, that day. And then Northwestern, I mean, you trounced them. You ran all over them, which, by the way, isn't a given. There's been several times where we thought for sure Illinois is the better team going into that game. So to bust them up like that is like, okay, so I finished five and seven. At the beginning of the year, you would have took five and seven with a with a butt munching of Northwestern. You would have took that 100%. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And the, the thing I will say is probably the, probably the most satisfying thing is Illinois was playing their best football that last week of the season. They had, they had gotten better throughout the season. No doubt. They had, they had a putrid passing offense, which I'm sure we'll get to, but it had become at least serviceable by the end of the year. They were playing great defense. It was a pretty good team at the end of the year. Defensive stats were uh, 48th in the country uh, that you wound up for total yards. But again, if you took stats from the last half of the season on, they would look even better. There's than that, but then here. also just the lovey era. We couldn't, you know, it was like running through a wet paper bag. Yeah, uh, the rush defense. To to to. So they they go from giving up with the lovey era. They're just basically like an additional hundred yards per game they were giving up. They and they they go from say high four hundreds, four fifty yeah. and and above. Total yards a game down to 366 in one year. That's impressive. Hence the reason why your defensive coordinator got a renewed and upped contract yeah. even before the season was out. Um, okay, I thought that was a really interesting breakdown of the schedule to me um, just because when you looked back, again, so close, such a tough schedule. Um, okay, team stud, pretty obvious to me. Yeah, Chase Brown. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, this guy's a beast. I, he's one of the better running backs in the conference, I think. I was going to say he's 100% Illinois' team stud, and he's 100% the Big Ten's like most undervalued player across the board. Well, we just he's talked about there. Penn State. Don't you think Penn State would have loved to have a Chase Brown this year? Absolutely. Uh, 170 rushes, just over 1,000 yards, 1,005. Only five touchdowns on the ground, but a 5.9 average. The only other person I even considered for this was on the defensive side, safety, ball hawk, Kirby Joseph. Okay. But to me, Chase Brown is the guy. And I felt like you had two or three pretty good studs along the D-line and maybe front seven. Yeah. But nobody that stood out. Is that no. fair? Like, it was it was, it was was weird. It was like Owen Carney one game and a different yeah. – it was just a different guy all the time. They had a little bit of a synergy going there. They did have a little bit of a synergy going on there. Best game moment – um, it's tough. I mean, I, you know what? I have two, so you give me one, I'll take the other. 
Now, for me, it's it's winning at Penn State. Okay. That's just so hard to do. And it's not just that they won the game. It's the way they won the game. 26 first downs to 14 for Penn State. Uh, 357 rush yards versus only 62. This is Penn State, yeah. mind you. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that really kept Penn State in that game was that Illinois had three turnovers and Penn State had zero. They held the ball for 36 minutes to 24 minutes. It was... Despite being a nine overtime game, it was kind of a dominating performance on the rushing road. The, rushing the ball is incredible. Yes. So, so for me, that's that. This was actually kind of an easy pick for me. Interesting. So my my honorable mention shout out was beating Minnesota. That's a good. Yeah. That was a good Minnesota team. Uh, but the two I had at the top were the one you just said, Penn State. But I, listen, I know Northwestern was bad, but you had to get that monkey off your back yeah so not only beating northwestern but but destroying them to me i'm surprised that's not what you picked because like even going into that game knowing how poor northwestern was you still didn't feel good about the game so to no, win I that didn't. game 47 <laughs> to 14 no i don't and, know that's and, a big deal to me and i guess the one thing about that game is kind of like penn state the way they won it because they had finally had a passing game and they were passing all over northwestern that game yeah by the way uh we talked about uh, Wisconsin's passing yards for the year, 120th. Illinois, 121st. They're under them. Oof. Yeah. So, Mercy. again, getting to five wins versus that schedule. Okay. It's a Big Ten West team. That's a tough schedule when you're playing uh, UTSA at Virginia, at Purdue, Wisconsin, at Penn State, Minnesota, Iowa. It's a pretty tough schedule. Yeah. Uh, so, to me, that team grade, all of that. Rushing attack, defense looked better by the end. I've got a solid B. Are, but are we doing head head scratcher? Oh, my bad. I, went, I, I got ahead of myself yep. there. <laughs> uh, head scratcher, what do you got? So I, and, and I'm kind of cheating here. It's not really a head scratcher. We kind of knew this going in, but I guess the, the duty mark of the year was just how crappy the passing game was. Okay. I'm, I'm being a little glib here. My head scratcher is beating Penn State. <laughs> okay, that, okay. I mean, it, it, that's that, fine. Nobody yeah. saw that coming. Okay, fair. Uh, I already kind of gave, throw my cards here. But for team grade, I've got a B because, you know, you went you went a game and a half over what Vegas had you at. You had a big moment victory beating Penn State. You got the monkey off your back. Like, I think a B is a solid grade. I maybe thought about a B minus simply because you did not get to a bowl game. But, again, I'm I'm going by the big Kurt factor. You would have took this in a million years before the season. Yeah, it took it a million years, no doubt about it. I went with a B minus. Okay. And the reason I'm going with the minus is because you had your chances to make a bowl game. And think about what a splash it would have been to make a bowl game in year one when nobody expected that. I mean, honestly, I don't think Beetle even expected that. But you had your chance against Maryland. You blew it. You had your chance against Purdue. You blew it. You had your chance against Rutgers. You blew it. It was right in front of you, and you couldn't take advantage of it. Understandable. So there's just like kind of, you know, it's kind of like you always remember the losses more than the wins. Sure. So it's like the Rutgers game. I'll never forget that game for the rest of my life. The Maryland game, I will never forget it for the rest of my life. Purdue game, not quite as much because Purdue is a great team. But look at you. Beatles got you all spoiled up now. It kind of Look at you you expected more. uh, Yeah, I'll never forget. I'll never forget those two games. But the program just looks better. 
it, it's a better look. Well, yes. It, 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 I'm sorry. It's almost I'm sorry to if... you. I'm sorry to you, Layton Lovey fans. There's so, so many of them looks... around. <laughs> the team just looks better. All right, spring ahead. What do you got for need improvement? Okay, so the offensive line played pretty well this year. We knew they they had the potential to do that, but boy, that it could be ugly next year. That you got to replace four or five starters next year. So, to me, that's the big and really? maybe 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 the bigger thing though is just offensive scheme needs needs help, which they brought in a, a new OC this year. Okay, I, offensive line matters. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, uh, scheme matters. Who's throwing the ball is my question. Yeah, we know. Like, like that's the improvement. Like, if I, everything I it, was the same. But I think it's bigger than that. Okay. Because if you don't have a line, it doesn't matter who's throwing and the ball. And that was – it's not like Brandon Peters doesn't have the ability to throw a downfield spiral. He right. does. And, yeah, you could you, – you, you're probably right. Yeah. But, boy, quarterback plays got to look better. They, they got to do something. There. There's got to be somebody that you – Big Kurt feels good about going into the fall on who your signal caller is. Nope, there isn't. Nope, there isn't. And and, and so since we were on the topic here, just in general, quarterback recruiting, it, it's putrid. The, there's only two teams really in the Big Ten that can't seem to recruit a good quarterback, and it's they're both from Illinois, Illinois yeah. Northwestern. Yeah, it's Can't crazy. seem to find a good quarterback, either one of these, these programs. And I'm talking about recruiting from the – the high school ranks mostly, but even the transfer. Like, okay, Peyton Ramsey was great at Northwestern. That, that was he was yep. good. But then you know Hunter Johnson didn't work out. Those two teams can't seem to buy a break. And it's been you have to go back to Nate Shieldhouse since Illinois has recruited out of the high school ranks a respected, well-rated quarterback. Crazy, can't Crazy. do it. Can't do it. Um, what's looking good? I just have the feel. I I I still feel like things just. Just look better, feel better. Um, Beetle is doing a better job of representing Illinois. I know that the recruiting, you know, wins aren't there yet, but this is how you start it from happening. There, there's, there's reasons to feel good about Illinois football that you barely could ever say that under Lovey. Yeah, kind of just taking that a step further. Your coach is trying. <laughs> He's putting in effort. He like he, it's a key part of being a successful coach. I thought. Lovey's biggest efforts was when he was cashing his checks. <laughs> That's he, he put a lot of effort into that. The rest of the job, not quite as much. So that that's really encouraging. Mm. And to me, I think I just love defensive football. So seeing us finally play good defense really for the first time since 2015. It's just it's it's refreshing. Absolutely. Just need a little tweak on the offense. Things going to be looking good. Yeah. All right. That's the 2021 Illinois Fighting Illini is the Whopper. You done? I'm done, man. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. It's been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>